It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's another Western Conference Wednesday on Locked On NHL. I am Justin Morissette of Locked On Canucks and Sportsnet 650 Radio in Vancouver, joined once again by Fear the Finn and Locked On Sharks, C. Morley, to break down everything going on in the Western Conference. And uh, C, happy to be doing this with you once again. Yeah, it's the best part of my week. Aw, ain't that sweet. Well, let's start where we ended last week, because as we were talking about uh, teams coming back down to earth after a hot start and uh, teams having to deal with some injury woes, uh, I asked you uh, if the Edmonton Oilers and Colorado Avalanche, who, as we spoke last week, were tied for first in the Western Conference, would still be in the top three come this week. And uh, you said yes, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I believe I said no. And it turns out we're both right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As we sit down to record, the Edmonton Oilers are second place in the West with 22 points through 16 games. Uh, so they are still in the top three. But the Colorado Avalanche, see, since we last spoke one week ago, have picked up just one point. They were tied for first with 17 points, and since then have lost three in a row. They have 18 points and are in ninth in the Western Conference at the moment. Now, it's silly to look too much at points at this time of year because everybody's separated by about three or four at the most. But still, uh, not a great week for the Colorado Avalanche as those injuries seem to have really taken their toll. Yeah, I mean, I thought that they weren't going to face a whole lot of challenge from the rest of the central division. And uh, I mean, St. Louis is outperforming my expectations. <laughs> so they were able to kind of sneak in there and, and give them a challenge in the standings. But I, I also thought they had the depth to kind of overcome it. And it's, it's looking a little harder for their, their depth to be able to overcome those injuries to their roster and their lineup. Um, Edmonton, they're really like benefiting from a super weak Pacific division right now. Um, they haven't had a regulation win in a while, correct? Am I misremembering that? No, or... I think you're right about that. Yeah, that they they've had uh, they've been propped up a little bit <laughs> here um, by a weak division and and a hot start. So maybe by next week they might actually come back to earth a little bit. But uh, yeah, I. I'm not as surprised by the Avs not still being in that top three. Uh, the same is probably true of the Vancouver Canucks, honestly. And I don't want to spend uh, a huge amount of time every week talking about the Canucks, given uh, I feel biased when I do that. Um, but, <laughs> but they have had a very easy schedule. They had a very easy month of October. And so, you know, they came back with five out of six points off their recent California road trip. And everybody in town is like, oh, well, this team is legit. This is a bunch <laughs> of world beaters. And pump the brakes a little bit. like. It's not, this is not the, the California road trip of even just a few years ago. All three of those teams kind of stink. Even the Anaheim Ducks, who, as we mentioned last week, are getting just the most incredible goaltending performances you're going to see anywhere this season from John Gibson. But up front, that team is just abysmal. But uh, 
let, let's talk a little bit about your San Jose Sharks. Let's get the let's get our Homer stuff out of the way <laughs> right up front because uh, I watched the Sharks play on Saturday night against the Canucks. It did not go very well for them. And the impression that I got from watching that game, you know, one of the big topics always early in the season, it's been uh, talked about on a, a number of the other shows here on Locked On NHL, is who's the first NHL coach to be fired this season? And uh, it really seems like it's going to be Pete DeBoer. He was uh, he was chewing gum like a guy who knew his days were numbered, is what <laughs> I would say. Uh, there, there are people who have clinical depression who seem happier than Pete DeBoer <laughs> behind the bench of the San Jose Sharks at the moment. Uh, do you see San Jose making a coaching change in the foreseeable future? You know what? Last night they won against the Chicago Blackhawks. And Pete DeBoer still, it was the third period, the Sharks had a three-goal lead, and he still just looked like he was dying on the bench. <laughs> so, uh, I, the thing is, all of the the insiders in San Jose say that Pete DeBoer's job isn't even in question right now, which just makes me nervous, especially because this is not, this is probably the third year in a row that they have had a slow start. And this is the worst one so far. And yes, there's a lot more going on with the sharks. Obviously they've lost a lot of talent. They are integrating a lot of youth. All of that makes sense into the sharks, not performing to expectations this year. However, being as bad as they are, a lot of it comes down to coaching and it, it just makes me nervous that everyone says that, Oh yeah, it's not even a question that his job is secure. Uh, it probably should be in question. It's not right now, and I don't. I don't love that. I texted someone <laughs> last night that uh, the when the goal that went in off Patrick Marlowe's skate. I'm like Patrick Marlowe's skate just uh, saved Pete DeBoer's job, <laughs> basically. Um, as long as there's an occasional win, I, I I think they're they're gonna look to that as improvement, and he's not going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, we talked a lot last week about the issues that are plaguing San Jose this week. Uh, this year, rather. Do, do you feel like this roster is, I mean, obviously there were expectations for this team, but you talked about last week why a bunch of the problems they are having uh, exist this season, and that is they let a bunch of depth, uh, especially up front from their forward lines, walk away in free agency. You know, we talked about uh, uh, the, the Colorado Avalanche trying to uh, overcome their injuries. Well, whether they were injured or not, Jonas Donskoy started the season for Colorado uh, as a at least a fill-in member of that top line. He was a part of the reason why they've been able to spread their talent out a little bit further in Colorado, which means he's not there in San Jose to help right. them do the same. Right. Is this a team that is underperforming, or when you look at the things that they lost and and uh, you know the 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 age of their veterans at this point? Is this about right for what this roster is? No, they're definitely underperforming. Uh, a lot of it comes from players like Carlson and Burns. And um, backtracking a little bit, uh, Radom Simic returned to the lineup last night. And granted, Radom Simic is, uh, he's never played a full NHL season. He got injured last year. And he is probably, in this lineup, the fifth or sixth best defenseman. But what he does is he plays defensively very, very well. And when he's partnered with Brent Burns, that allows Burns to do more of what Brent Burns does, which is not play defense. So when he was out of the lineup, it 
forced players like Burns and Carlson to to step back offensively. They haven't been shooting nearly at the volume that they they are expected to and that has influenced the Sharks' offense massively so having him back in the lineup is going to to help and I think you also have players like Couture who uh just last year kind of stepped into the top line he had been a second line center for uh a good while before that so having Couture kind of struggling this year doesn't help and and then losing all of that talent like I I think it's finding ways to come together is a real struggle for them and that there's there still is quite a bit of talent in this lineup I think also Timo Meyer is not performing to expectations Kevin LeBanc has sacrificed any defensive play for offense which has him outperforming offensively but defensively he is just a black hole now so uh, just a lot of players who have taken kind of weird or backward strides in their game. So um, if they can just get back to even, you know, their average play, the, this team will improve. I feel like that is the story of not just a bunch of players on the San Jose Sharks roster, but a lot of the teams in the Western Conference this season in general. Uh, uh, I think it's fair to say that we are covering the weaker conference on a week-to-week basis. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, if you want to hear about the powerhouse teams of the league, if you want to hear about uh, most of the the league's marquee stars, you're probably going to get that on the Eastern Conference show on Tuesdays rather than hearing us talk on Wednesdays. Because, uh, yes, it's a good story locally for me here in Vancouver that the Canucks are, as we speak, currently in third place in the Western Conference and are one of the surprise teams of the league this year. One of the reasons that they are a surprise team is that they've gotten better. They are a much better team than they have been in years previous. I don't know if much better is the right word for it. Perhaps incrementally better. At least better enough to not be a bottom feeder any longer as they beat up on teams like the Detroit Red Wings and the LA Kings and all these other teams who are at the bottom of the basement like Vancouver used to be but is no longer this season. The reason, however, that they're up in third place is not that they've made these Herculean improvements. It's that the rest of the conference has gotten significantly worse, it feels like, for the most part. you know. Um, and some of that is due to circumstances beyond the team's control, but like... Look at the Winnipeg Jets, who have this ongoing Dustin Bufflin situation. It's, you know, there's there's a lot of teams who, I mean, the Jets feel like their window is just shut completely, which is crazy because two years ago it seemed like the future was very bright for that team. But, yeah. you know, whether it's San Jose or even Dallas, who was in the playoffs, like it is hard to believe as we look at what they've done so far this season that Dallas was in the playoffs last season. Like these these teams have really taken a step back, and it's I guess opened up new room at the top. It's just astonishing to me to watch kind of the precipitous fall of a lot of these teams out west because this was a pretty strong conference even just last season. Yeah, I you know I always said that the league had a awful Eastern Conference bias, and now <laughs> this season I'm like, please just don't pay attention to the Western Conference. <laughs> I forget everything I said before. Just give us one year to <laughs> rebuild all of these teams, please. 
<laughs> well, ignore the Western Conference if you must, but the one thing you can't ignore is the opportunity to treat yourself to the meal that you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. What's up, guys? Trey Matthews of Locked On Devils here, and let me tell you about Discover Debit Cash Back. Wings for the game? Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey? Boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run could score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's a guaranteed win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one is a real game-changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. Well, the team that's right at the very bottom of the conference at the moment, uh, just one point back of your San Jose Sharks uh, with a game in hand, I should note. So maybe it's the Sharks who are truly uh, as bad as it gets at the moment uh, in the West. It's the LA Kings who are 15th of 15. And uh, the Vancouver Canucks were in L.A. last week as well uh, on the evening that you and I recorded. We talked two weeks ago about uh, my little pet subject that I, I felt like I, I was being kind of a weirdo for squeezing in the, the, the length of the rant that I did. And I'm so glad I did it now that we have that frame of reference to look back on because this is the story that continues to give and give and give and give. And it is the Drew Doughty quotes that he gave after they were just thumped by the Canucks in Vancouver's home opener uh, close to a month ago now, which, uh, should I read those quotes again? See, would you like yes, to hear them one absolutely. more time? absolutely. Just Drew a little <laughs> For those of you who are not familiar, after the Vancouver Canucks thumped the LA Kings 8-2 to in their home opener back uh, towards the beginning of October, Drew Doughty had this to say, I mean, I ain't gonna park it. It's just, it's fucking, it's just embarrassing. It's just, I mean, a team like that should not be beating a team like ours 8-2. to There's actually no way. I know they had a lot of energy right off the bat because it's their home opener and they had their whole ordeal with a captain and whatever, but, uh, yeah, there's... We had chances to come back, and then we just gave up a goal right after we scored a goal. So it was a bad team effort by everyone on this team, I thought. And I got into, of course, a couple weeks ago, uh, the entire scenario around uh, Dan Rosen, or or John Rosen, rather. Too many Rosens covering the NHL. (laughs) Uh, John Rosen, LA Kings insider, accusing Blake Murphy of TSN 1040 of... uh, making up the quote or altering it in some way because he paraphrased what he heard uh, out of the scrum. Uh, I don't want to get into that again. What I do want to get into is the fact that Rosen making that argument of quote-unquote journalistic malpractice and the way that quote was transcribed or whatever has given Drew Doughty an out to not be accountable for what he said, essentially. Because as I read that, there's no way to misconstrue the message of what is being said there especially the quote-unquote team-like-that part, which, to their credit, the Canucks have run with as a slogan uh, since thumping the Kings again by a 5-2 score last week. Uh, They've put out a bunch of team-like-that T-shirts to buy here in town. Uh, It was all over their social media. It's going to be the recurring storyline again and again pretty much every time the Canucks face L.A. this season, I would imagine. and. 
this is entirely a self-inflicted wound. Like, Drew Doughty brought this on himself. There's no other way to take what he said. It's not like that it was lacking context or that he was misquoted. Right, right. The, I mean, the only change from the actual quote to the heavy air quotes here, misquote, is that he said... He said beating us like that as opposed to beating us 8-2, correct? That is... Yes, that's the only difference. Which, which doesn't change the meaning or message no, whatsoever. No, there's no so, difference in intent that does not come across any differently than 8-2, to two, like, specifically. So, it is so frustrating because he still said the, the team like that should not be beating a team like ours. Like, that is right there. That is in the quote, and... Everyone saying that it was misquoted or whatever. There's the the updated quote from Drew Doughty. Do you want me to read that? Because I've got it right here. Yeah. Well, yesterday he he met with the media, I believe, in Toronto and said, uh, well, I'll let you say it. Yeah. He he said this guy, uh, the guy is an idiot that made it all happen. Referring to uh, Blake Price, I'm assuming. Uh, (laughs) What I was trying to say there is they're a young team. We're an old team and we lost the game like 8-1 and that's ridiculous for a veteran team. Just standard people making it run. (laughs) That explanation makes no sense. No. We're they're a young team and we're an old team. Yes, you are an old team. That's why you were one of the worst teams in all of hockey last season. Young teams full of fast, exciting players beat old over the hill teams all the time. Drew Doughty is well acquainted with that because it happened to him again and again and again last season as the Kings were just awful and are awful again because of exactly the reason he outlined they are old too old to compete unfortunately yes. so that explanation I was like well that, obviously I meant that it's like yeah come on man and we're, the, not, we're not stupid like literally all it would have taken is for the initial um quote to come out as as it was regardless of intent, whatever the, the quote should have, if it would have come out exactly as he said it, what would he still be able to sit there and say, that guy's an idiot. Like that bothers me to call a reporter an idiot when he just, all he did was to tweet out the quote. I mean, like, that's it. That that's what he did. You said it, he tweeted the quote and it's turned into this whole thing because you want to say, that's not what you said when it is. (laughs) <laughs> but here's the thing, him saying that and it getting tweeted out and it being made a big deal by the media is good. It's good <laughs> for the game. It's entertaining. It's built this feud out of nowhere. Like the Kings and Canucks should not be rivals right now. They right. haven't faced each other in a meaningful sense since the 2012 playoffs. And even then it's like, that wasn't really a rivalry necessarily. They had some dislike for each other when they were both good in the early 2010s. That's what I will say about that. They shouldn't be rivals right now. The Canucks don't really have a natural rival at the moment because those things tend to be born in the playoffs and the team hasn't been there in close to five years now. But this quote has just made these games fun. And there's no reason why fans in Vancouver or fans in any city should be looking forward to watching their team play the LA Kings, other than the fact it's basically guaranteed win night. Like, 
you, 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 this right. is good for the game. You want guys to be offering this kind of thing that can add fuel to the fire and build some interest in you know a team that, sorry, Drew, does not have a ton of interesting things going on for it. He went on to basically be a little piss baby and threaten to take his ball and go home. He said, uh, if you guys want us to be able to say things and be honest with you, and then you're going to go and run with it and just get attacked by it, we're just going to stop talking. Which, come on, dude. Like, yeah. like that to all of this, all of this that we've said already, really what it comes down to for me and what makes me kind of mad about this whole thing is that not only is he then putting someone's journalistic integrity to question, but he's also threatening restricting access, which we found out is something that Drew Doughty has done before and or at least Drew Doughty's representation has done before. And that rubs me the wrong way. Interfering with somebody's ability to do their job just because you don't like what you how what you said comes across is bizarre and horrible. And I hate that. I hate it. Yeah, you're referencing I now I don't know when this came out. I hadn't seen anything about this until uh Ryan Lambert posted a screen grab of this uh on his Twitter kind of clowning on Dowdy the other day as well. Uh I'll read that screen grab right now and again I'm not sure what article this came from, but here we go. It was just a small nugget in one of 82 pregame shows on TSN 1200 this year, but Dean Brown dropped a bomb on the weekend. Essentially, his claim was this. Last season, Drew Doughty's agents, Newport, who have about 130 NHL clients, told some national broadcasters that if they didn't vote Doughty for the Norris, they might lose some of their inside information. Many national broadcasters depend on insider information to keep their audience so this would be a real threat, if true. Now, I'm assuming that this is something from a couple of years ago um, when Dowdy was in the Norris conversation, because I don't imagine he got a whole heck of a lot of Norris votes last season. Right, right. But still, like, that is, that's troubling to read, whether it's true or not, you know? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I know from San Jose, I know of players who have refused one-on-ones with certain reporters because they don't like the way that they came across in an article or whatever. It just makes everyone's job more difficult. And it's one thing if you are fully misquoted, but Drew Doughty was not misquoted. And that, it just rubs me the wrong way. It makes me, like, as a person who has to write about sports, like, why, why do that over something that you actually said? And this is his personality. This is how he is. He has openly, for years, you would know this better than I, given that uh, you know your teams play each other uh, quite often. Uh, I'm not the the Canucks are not a part of the Pacific Division as well, but I'm sure <laughs> the, the, the rivalry is a little bit more heated when you're in the same state. He kind of openly sneers and condescends at his opponents all the time. So if that's going to be your attitude, if that's going to be how you are as a hockey player, just own it. If yeah. you are the number one heel in the territory, which I really do believe Drew Doughty is like the number one heel in all of the NHL. Maybe I'm maybe Brad Marchand still has a case for it. Let's say the number one heel in the Western Conference at the very least. Don't yeah. delude yourself that you're also a baby face. Just own right. it. Just own being a jerk. That's all I want. Yeah, you said it's part of his personality. And honestly, that made me think of there was this whole saga during uh, playoffs a couple years ago where Drew Doughty, like, 
Okay, so Drew Doughty and Logan Couture grew up in the same area. They played, like, midget hockey together, and were they were, like, on the same team. And they uh, they work out together in the summers. And there was this whole saga a couple summers ago, or a couple, like, playoffs ago, and I don't remember the exact year, but they were denying, like, Drew Doughty was denying that he was, like, friends with Logan Couture, and there were a lot of quotes where they were kind of going at each other, and it was just so bizarre, because, like, they actually, they do, they work out in the summer together, (laughs) and Drew Doughty's like, no, I'm not friends with that guy, and it's like, dude, like, we have proof, like, (laughs) like, you grew up together, (laughs) don't, don't pretend that you're not just because like you're playing against each other in playoffs. It is totally bizarre. And you're right. It, it's just part of his personality. And yeah, I, I just have a problem when it comes to the point that it affects somebody's job and their ability to do their job. Yeah. So, I mean, look, it's great fodder for the media. I think, I think the, I don't know if he wants like bouquets from, from the press to be like, Oh, thank you for giving us so much to talk about. <laughs> During, uh, you know, uh, maybe a lull in the season or what, like, if he just wants the adulation of, of the press for giving them so much fodder. Like, like I said, it's good for the league that he says these things, you know, this yeah. is this is a, a league that is so lacking in personality that even a guy who openly sneers at his opponents and has contempt for uh, pretty much every other team other than his own at a time when his team is one of the worst in hockey. Like, right. This is. This would not be uh, even a blip on the radar in the NBA, but in the NHL, it's like, well, one of the biggest shows of personality <laughs> we could possibly ask for. Right. And, like, you know, I've interviewed Drew Doughty. I interviewed him at the All-Star Game and, like, had a great little, like, back and forth with him. And it was fine. Like, he's capable of that. So <laughs> I just I don't understand where this is coming from. <laughs> Have you ever seen an NHL player get off a team bus and think to yourself, gosh, I wish I could dress that nice? Well, with Indochino, you can. Indochino makes fully customized suits that don't require a trip to the tailor to get that perfect fit. Recently, I was shopping for a new dress shirt for my upcoming wedding, and when I decided to go with the Hyde Herringbone shirt, I was blown away at all the customization options I had. I could change the type of collar, cuffs, and even decide whether or not I wanted a chest pocket, all while being incredibly affordable, especially given the quality of the product I was getting. New colors, fabrics, and outerwear styles are added regularly too, so it's easy to create your next look. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code NHL to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at INDOCHINO.com with code NHL. Uh, some quick hits before we wrap up because, uh, well, that went uh, long on Dowdy. But yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we talked a little bit about last week Brent Seabrook being uh, sat out of a game, scratched in Chicago for uh, one of the first times in his uh, lengthy, notable career. He talked openly about his desire to continue to play hockey. He is not willing to be pushed into the grave, as I'm sure, as we said last week, <laughs> Chicago would much rather he retire and get his salary off the books. But uh, in continuing to play earlier this week, perhaps even last night, I think, Seabrook uh, and Keith played their 1,000th game together as a pairing, uh, or at least as teammates, as two defensemen playing 1,000 games as teammates has never happened in the league before. So, um, you know, 
that is the one cool thing, I guess, of these lengthy contracts, as much as Chicago might regret signing some of them now, is that you do get to keep guys together in a way that is historically unprecedented, which uh, is honestly not something that I had ever considered, really. Yeah, and it's got to be hard for him to also have Keith playing and still being very effective when uh, he he's kind of getting pushed out of the lineup. I'm sure that makes this whole thing a lot more difficult for him. But yeah, it, he did play against San Jose and did not look great. <laughs> so um, it's very cool that 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 they got to hit that milestone together. But yeah, that's that's got to make the situation a little more rough for him. But you, as a team, as a general manager, you have to know that you're going to pay for these on the other end of the deal, right? Like, right. Th- this was how everybody kept their salaries artificially lower than they were by doing these long, extended, back-diving deals. And I'm not saying necessarily that all of these ones that have been signed after, uh, you know, the the eight-year limit was imposed on contracts are exactly as back-diving as the original deals were back in the day. But this this was something that Chicago did to keep their core together. And when right. you are a general manager signing these contracts, you have to know that when you get into the later years, there's going to be some pain for all of the gain you got when you were riding those contracts to multiple Stanley Cups. So... You know, uh, cry me a river, I guess, if you're the Chicago Blackhawks front office hoping that uh, this guy is going to just uh, go off into that good night and retire. Brent Seabrook was a huge part of the reason why you enjoyed so much success over the last decade. You're going to have to eat it at this point. And if he wants to play, that's entirely his decision. Right. Exactly. Uh, one last little tidbit before we call it a day, and you're going to explain this one to me. See. Oh no! <laughs> there was there was something in the athletic, I believe, possibly yesterday about uh, speaking of of heels, speaking of uh, feuds and rivalries. The other end of that big Drew Doughty, his other big feud, uh, Matthew Kachuk. There were some strange details that emerged about young Matthew. Am I correct? <laughs> Yes. So uh, this was in The Athletic. Uh, Like you said, it was yesterday. It was written by Craig Morgan. And so when Keith Kachuk was playing for the Coyotes, their equipment manager, Stan Wilson, would essentially be a daycare (laughs) for the two Kachuk boys. And the, the quote that's going around is just so funny and bizarre and i sent it to probably three different group chats because it's so it's just funny um so this is from uh oh shoot um so stan wilson had a son named denver who was also there and um (laughs) denver said matthew was a big kid he was shitting like a man (laughs) there were man-sized turds from a three-year-old kid so i just grabbed some medical gloves and a mask cleaned him up and put little baby powder in there put on a new diaper and he was good to go (laughs) so he was changing matthew kachuk's diapers but the the shitting like a man comment (laughs) is the part that i just can't get over i think that is the weirdest possible way to phrase that And it's just more information than I ever needed about Matthew Kachuk. (laughs) Yeah, man-sized turds. There you go. The the insight that we are able to glean courtesy of The Athletic. I I love love it. it. Uh, One final thing before we go here. I don't know. 
how to segue out of man-sized turds, uh, if there is any possible segue. I meant to talk a little bit about the St. Louis Blues before we called it a day, um, because, you know, I openly questioned on this show and others exactly what they are this year. We talked last week about whether or not they were going to be able to overcome the loss of, of Vladimir Tarasenko, and I think it's fair to say, yes, yes, they are. They have, in fact, if anything, see gotten better since losing <laughs> Tarasenko because if there was any sort of hangover as far as you know, coming off of a Stanley Cup victory it snapped them awake uh, I had Ryan Lambert to reference him one more time uh, on the interview show a couple weeks ago and we talked about the Blues and he basically said that you know, that was a team that fully bought into Craig Berube's system, and that's what made them so good, is that they had this enormous buy-in up and down their roster, and it was a system that made everyone look good. It shined mm-hmm. all of their positive attributes and diminished all of their negative ones, which is what you want from a coach, and you want players buying in as well. They are fully bought in uh, again. I got to watch them in Vancouver last night, and that is a team that is rolling right now, but... They're doing it playing a very boring style of defensive hockey. The buy-in on this system right now in the absence of a goal scorer like Vladimir Tarasenko is to play basically a trap style, which seems to be kind of the norm within the Western Conference at the moment. It's not just uh, the St. Louis Blues who are doing that. They are number one in the conference right now. The number two team uh, in the Edmonton Oilers are doing the exact same thing, even if uh, you know their their local beat writers like Mark Spector are throwing grenades at the <laughs> Arizona Coyotes for their playing style. When meanwhile Dave Tippett is the coach in Edmonton, uh, glass houses much, my right. good bitch. Um, <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, this is this is a team that hit a big injury. And has somehow only gotten better. And uh, I guess I have to eat a little crow here because they are better than I thought they were. They might be playing a more boring style to do it, but whatever you have to do to overcome injuries, right? Like this is part of the game and they are positively rolling at the moment. They do look like the Stanley Cup winners. Yeah, I don't think you should be able to get rid of Tarasenko and be better. That's not, that shouldn't be allowed. But uh, um, I think... Long term, it's going to be interesting if they continue to just play the trap style um, and see how that pans out for them long term. Um, but heads up to, you know, Barubi for being able to identify the fact that they weren't going to be able to play the same style and um, continue to su- succeed without Tarasenko. So the ability to adapt like that midseason is not something that they should take for granted. So, um, yeah, same thing, though. I, I honestly, I didn't think the, the Blues were for real and um, just happened to be that they, they had a coach that was willing to do that. And, and it's, it's a smart play, you know, so it's going to work out for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's not even that that defensive brand is so far removed from the way that they play ordinarily, you know, like, no, the avalanche could not do this. It right. would be the diametric opposite to the way that they play the game when their right. roster is healthy. Uh, it's kind of just, you know, leaning into your strengths. And, and Jordan Bennington looks good again. He, you know, maybe is just fired up by the opportunity to play Elias Pettersson, the guy who uh, <laughs> who topped him for the Calder last year, which is a real thing. 
Darren Pang was telling Corey Hirsch last night uh, in between periods that uh, that Bennington carries a chip on his shoulder now every time uh, the Blues play the Canucks, that he wants to beat Pedersen to prove to voters that they made the wrong call. Um, oh, Jesus. <laughs> but, but, no, that's good. It's good. What were we just talking about with yeah, the Dowdy? I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rivalries and personality and guys taking things personally and all. Like, this is this is nothing but good for the league. Like, yeah, Absolutely. I don't know. Just, uh, just impressed by St. Louis, and and have to take this opportunity to eat a little crow before we wrap up. <laughs> Anyways, that does it for us this week on Western Conference Wednesdays. Uh, see if people want to hear more from you. Where can they do that? Oh, you can listen to me on Locked On Sharks five days a week here on the Locked On Podcast Network, or you can follow me on Twitter at Now You See Me, or read what I write on Fear the Fin. All right, and you can always find me, of course on the Locked On Canucks podcast, where I don't know that I'll be talking a whole heck of a lot about Drew Doughty this week, given that uh, <laughs> so much of our show. To... But hey, yeah, that's one of the bigger storylines in the Western Conference this week, I'm sure. And if you're in yeah. the Central, we apologize. <laughs> Pacific Division bias. <laughs> oh, so, hey, we did our best. We we snuck in some Blackhawk stuff. I talked about St. Louis. We'll, we'll do more. I mean, this Dustin Bufflin thing. I, I yeah. kind of want to talk about it today just because it's we, we it's still developing and I don't even know what to say about it right now. It's it's complicated to say the least, but uh, I'm sure we will touch on that on next week's show. Until then, uh, look forward to us next Wednesday in this same spot. Uh, of course, on Locked On NHL, she is C. Morley. I am Justin Morissette, and you're locked in on the Locked On. NHL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Dope. Boom. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.